All right, we're going to take a, a moment here to talk about hospitals and how they need to update their visitor policies. I'd like to welcome back to the show Dr. Michael Warner, who's an ICU physician. He's been on the show several times, and you're very active on Twitter. And one of your tweets um, over the weekend really punctuated something that I think uh, is important. And maybe we've, as we are rushing into reopening, um, you know, I mean, I say rushing into reopening because we've uh, moved into, st- we're moving stage three up by five days. But as we move towards reopening because of our fantastic progress in vaccination rates, uh, we miss things. And one of them you've pointed out is the uh, visitor policy in hospitals. Welcome to the show. Good to have you on. Thanks for having me back. So we need to update our visitor policies. First of all, where are, uh, what's, what's the status on visitor policies and what has it been throughout the pandemic when it comes to uh, hospitals? So when COVID started, hospitals essentially were sealed off from the outside world because we were concerned about introducing COVID into the hospital, infecting healthcare workers and patients. And I think at the time that made sense. We knew very little about COVID. Now that we're fully in the vaccine era and most people you know, in Toronto, 60% of people are double vaccinated. Most healthcare workers are vaccinated. Most of our patients and visitors are vaccinated. It's time to update things. And hospitals, to their credit, have made progress in terms of loosening the restrictions that they've imposed on visitors as time has gone on. But in my view, they haven't gone far enough. Uh, I think we should open up hospitals to visitors completely unless people, i.e. visitors, need to isolate because of public health restrictions because they have COVID or have been exposed to COVID. Otherwise, I think we're actually doing more harm than good because having visitors is really important for patients, for healthcare workers, and also makes it more likely that people show up to hospital with illness because they won't be afraid that they'll be alone once they get here. So you're saying that visitor policies are no longer really uh, evidence-based where they stand right now? Well, if I go to the website of you know the eight or ten hospitals in Toronto right now, there'll be variations among hospitals in terms of what the visitor policies are, in terms of how many visitors the patient patient can have, how long they can be there, and also there are different categories of visitor policies for different patients. So if you're having a baby, if you're at the end of life, uh, if you're a child, the visitor policies are much less restrictive, which is great. But if you're having a hip or knee replacement, you know you're not going to see your family. And that doesn't make any sense because the situation the patient finds him or herself in has nothing to do with the COVID risk of, you know, of, for the healthcare workers. And at the same time, Kelly, we also have to acknowledge, and I think this is what's really confusing, is that you can have a healthcare worker caring for a patient for 12 hours and they may not be vaccinated. But if my wife was in the hospital, she's vaccinated and I am as well, I would not be able to visit her outside of the restrictions that are being imposed by that hospital even though we live together. So, so there's a contradiction. But yeah, it, it actually doesn't make scientific sense. And I think in all of the realms of our life, we're seeing how vaccination, you know, there's lots of carrots out there. There's lots of things that you're going to be able to do because you're vaccinated. And I'm not saying unvaccinated visitors shouldn't come because I think we can keep them safe. But in all domains of life, we need to be consistent in the public domain and in institutional domain in the private domain in our homes, or else people get confused as to whether these vaccines are really going to provide us with the benefit that that I'm telling people they are when I tell people they should get them. I don't understand the, like, honestly, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around this. What do you mean by unvaccinated uh, visitors shouldn't be allowed? Because then they'd have to be fully, uh, uh, like, for safety's sake, because COVID's still out there, especially the Delta variant. I don't want it being brought into hospital. Wouldn't you have to be fully uh, in, in you know, the, the, the gowns and, and gloves and, like, Fully masked and 
I mean, that seems like a lot of work. Well, I'll, I'll walk you through. So I said they should be allowed because I think, you know, vaccines should remain a choice. We can't force vaccines on people, and, and I'm not an advocate for that. Uh, but for most of the pandemic, we have had visitors in those circumstances for time-limited uh, visits, and we haven't had vaccines for most of this pandemic. And I'm not aware of any significant evidence that visitors have brought COVID into hospitals. Everyone wears a mask. Everyone wears a face shield. They're supposed to distance, and they're only going to visit the person they're there to visit. So I think we can keep the hospital safe because we're actually the experts at infection prevention and control. And for that reason, we're in the best position to keep both vaccinated and unvaccinated people safe in the hospital. So I think you know, our track record is the proof that we can do this safely. I think everyone should get vaccinated, but, but no one will be forced to do so to visit their loved right. So what categories of, of patients do we need to keep safe? Is there any category that we should be keeping safe from, from visitors and the potential of, you know, catching COVID-19? I don't think that visitors pose a significant risk, okay. especially with so little COVID in the community. I mean, the news report earlier, and we're, we're just over 100 cases, you know, 1% positivity. I mean, we also have to think about the benefit. And, and I talked about that briefly, but if you're a patient, you need an advocate at the bedside. If you don't speak English, if you can't speak for yourself because you're too sick, or we don't speak your language, I should say, you know, it's always helpful to have someone there who can speak for us, someone to take notes, someone could, someone to tell your story because you may not be able to, so that we as physicians and nurses can know you better. And I think patients actually get better care uh, yeah. when families are at the bedside. So the benefits are so much greater than the, than the risks, especially in this vaccine era, and the risk will go down and down as more people get vaccinated. I think COVID is here to stay. There will be new variants, but are these variants leading people to come into hospital with COVID? Are they in my ICU right now? Absolutely not. I can't remember the last time I admitted a patient to the ICU with COVID, let alone the hospital. So the situation in hospitals is better, and that's why the restrictions were put in place to begin with, to prevent people from getting sick and ending up in the ICU with COVID, but that's just not happening. So I think we just need, to, and, and, and hospitals need to lead here, not follow the government. They actually need to take the initiative and open things up to visitors. You were talking about the benefits, uh, you know, not just advocating for, you know, having somebody to advocate for you. I I've witnessed uh, just better treatment when you've got somebody in the room. People are more attentive. It's human nature. They're like, oh, I'm being watched. I better make sure I'm, I'm taking a look in here and there. But w what do those visitors do for recovery? Do they speed it up at all for uh, someone that's recovering so that you can free up some beds as well? And I mean, because I would assume there'd be some benefit to the patient just yeah, I mean, it's not about moving patients faster through the system, but it does provide me as a physician with multiple touch points with the family member over the course of the day, instead of talking to them once a day when they can't see their loved one, telling them about all the good or bad things that are happening. It allows for, you know, seamless updates, allows them to actually participate in care because families are actually should be part of rounds when we see patients in the ICU to tell us what they think is going on with their mm -hmm. loved one because they know them better than anyone. And that really isn't happening anymore. Uh, I think... You know, family members can provide physiotherapy. They can do all kinds of things um, at the bedside that the clinicians uh, aren't doing that are really important for recovery. And also, you know, I spent a lot of time on the phone, Kelly, talking to family members with them begging to come into hospital. And I can't stand behind the visitor restrictions that hospital have because and I, I'm the one who has to explain it to them. And that actually contributes to my burnout. It's my, my biggest yeah. stress, you know, two months ago talking to you was the people dying of COVID. Now it's telling people they can't can't come can't, can't come to the hospital rather because of rules I don't agree with. Listen, so I know you're overworked. I saw your Twitter video and I thought, boy, uh, Michael Warner doesn't have a chance to get to his razor. 
Yeah, I mean, people love to <laughs> love to take take shots at my. Listen, face you know, I'm kidding, but but no, but it's serious. Like you, you're really overworked. Like we hear you. I mean, and and that's not that's speaking uh, it, to your it's work not about ethic. Work. It's about moral distress. It's about For telling sure. someone they can't do something that I don't agree with. Yeah, uh, no. that's that's the issue. I hear you, and I'm on yeah. your side. I don't want you to think I'm coming down on you. Yeah. I just I've seen you better shaven in the past. So I thought, boy, he, he really cares about this. He wants to get the message out. And the message is more important than what you, you, you look like right at the end of the day. But can you just punctuate again before I let you go? Because I know you're a busy man and I appreciate your time. Can you uh, punctuate the restrictions right now on visitor policies just so we're clear on where they are? Yeah, so it's it's different at every hospital. So you have to check the website of the hospital that you're going to. And this isn't a knock on any individual hospital, but usually there, there's a certain limit on the number of visitors you can have. It's usually one or two within a 24-hour period. And those, those people usually have to be the same. So you can't cycle through a different two people every day. They're usually time limited. So I've seen from one hour all the way to six hours. And for some categories of patients who have non-emergent care needs, like a hip or knee replacement, you may not be able to visit. You're dropping your loved one off, and you're picking them up when they've finished their hospital stay. You're having a baby. If someone is dying, if you're, a, if you're the parent of a child, they're much less restrictive. But again, I don't see why the rules should be different for any category of patient, in my view. I think they should be open all the way unless visitors can't come because public health is telling them to isolate. Listen, Dr. Werner, I want to thank you for joining us and rattling the cage, because every time you rattle the cage, it looks like the government listens. So I think you keep rattling that cage as much as possible. Thanks, Kelly. Take care. Have a great day.